welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. How's everybody doing? Good. I just had somebody come up to me and say, my shoes are untied and I have no shoelaces on them. So that was really, really interesting. All right. Uh, hey, so glad that you guys are here with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time here, welcome. So glad that you're here with us today. Those watching online, if you're sick, hope you're feeling better. If you're chilling in your jammies with your hot cocoa, hope you come next week. But we are so glad that you're here with us today. Grab your Bibles out and your message notes. Uh, meet me in Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two is where we're gonna be today. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand where the ushers will get one to you. We are starting a, a brand new series titled More Than a Holiday where Christmas is, is great, it's so much more than a holiday. It's so much more than Santa Claus. It's so much more than the elves. It's so much more than reindeer, the Christmas tree, the Christmas gifts, the Hallmark Christmas movies, hello. Uh, there's so much more than, than a holiday. And today what we're talking about is that it's so much more than just a baby. Uh, it was this last week, uh, I was in the ministry mall and there was a little four-year-old girl that came up to me and a real sweet little girl and she said, do you know who my favorite Jeremy is? And I thought, oh, God, it just melts my heart, you know? Just think about that. And I get down on my knees, and I squat in front of a little four-year-old girl. I'm like, oh, sweet, let me guess. Is it, is it me? Is it Pastor Jeremy? And she said, nope, it's Jeremy Thiessen. And I said, seriously? Like, what's up with that? You know, so I see her a minute later, and I, I go up to her, and I call her by name, and I said, do you know who my favorite? And I told her her name is... And I said, it's, it's you. And she's like, oh, but I still like Jeremy Thiessen better than you. And I'm just like, all right, sometimes the truth hurts. And I say that because today there's gonna be some truth bombs dropped in the message and it may hurt just a little bit. If you've been here at Shelter Co. for a little while, you know that we are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. We don't water down the truth. We preach it the way it is. And so there may be a few times where you're like, oh, hello, that hurts just a little bit because sometimes reality hurts, amen? Uh, today, Luke chapter 2, 11 and 12, and let me set up just the, the Christmas story. Uh, an angel of the Lord comes and uh, appears to the shepherds, the outcasts of outcasts, and gives this amazing news. Not just that a baby's been born, but that this baby is, is so much more than a baby. And this is what it says in Luke chapter two, starting in verse 11. The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So much more than a baby. Who the baby is. If you're taking notes, point number one is simply this. The baby is the savior who meets our greatest need. Our greatest need. A year and a half ago, I had the privilege to go to Hawaii with my in-laws. They took uh, my family there, and it was a great opportunity to, to get away and spend time. And we went to a, 
a beach where there was some really good surfing and boogie boards, but they said, hey, watch out for the waves because they will crash and you can break your neck. They had all these warning signs. They said, hey, the riptides are really bad. And uh, my son was 14 at the time, Drew. He's like, I got this, no, no problem at all. And so he starts swimming out there and going out there and uh, he's getting out there further and further. And all of a sudden I realized he's swimming and he's moving nowhere. And here's what I realized, he was caught in a riptide. How many of you have ever been caught in a riptide at the beach before? Yeah, most people that have, they're not here anymore, right? Um, so so an, a riptide is this undercurrent that literally pulls you away from the shore. It's super powerful, and it doesn't matter how hard you swim, how hard you try, you ain't going nowhere. And so it was in that moment that I saw him, that I swam out to where he was. I did what I could to grab him, and I pushed him forward till, towards the ocean. And I'm like, okay, I'm caught in this riptide now. I feel like I'm the, gonna be the one that drowned. And to get away from a riptide, you've gotta swim sideways, go back in the shore. Anyway, long story short, I saved my son. Uh, by God's grace, I was still alive. But my son in that moment did everything possible he could do and got nowhere. Friends, that's the summary of our lives. When it comes to your salvation and my salvation, we can work as hard as we possibly can, but when it comes to our salvation, it gets us nowhere. Because we are not people that just have some minor issues, some minor flaws. We are people that have some major issues. Your lives are a wreck. You guys are disasters. Welcome to Shelter Cove. I came to encourage you today. Sometimes we think, you know what, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not that bad. Yeah, yeah we're, we're horrific in the eyes of God. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. So often, so many people don't realize how messed up we really are. We, we uh, have a savior whose standard is perfection. And a lot of us are like, you know, I, I think I'm good enough. You know, C's get degrees. C's will not get you into heaven. I loved in college, one of the things that I got to experience was a lot of teachers were gracious and they graved on a curve. So like if you got a 50% in the highest grade when the class was like a 70%, you'd still get like a B. It was, how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah. Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't grade on a curve. His standard is perfection. And the, the reality is you and I, we were born uh, with a disease of sin. Ever since Adam and Eve took from the tree of the garden of, of Eden, the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered into the world. In fact, David put it this way in Psalm 51. He said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Every single one of us are born with this disease of sin and our greatest need is a savior. Your greatest need today is not financial freedom. Your greatest need today is not your physical health. Your greatest need is not your relationships to be healed. Your greatest need today is to be saved from your sin. That's why I love what Max Lucado put, famous pastor, author. He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a savior. Here's Jesus, fully God, fully human, the perfect bridge between us and God. And what does Jesus do? Jesus is born, but he's born to die. He's born to die to be the savior of the world. And what he would do is he would rise three days later, proving victory over sin, over death. We are saved from our sins. But not only that, we are saved for relationship with God. 
we are saved for eternity in heaven with God. And that's what Jesus does. He is the savior of the world. But the question is, is he your savior? Not, not do you know that he's the savior? Is he your parents' savior? Is he your savior? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Because all roads don't lead to heaven. All religions don't lead to heaven. Jesus boldly declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. It's only through Jesus Christ. And it's interesting. This is the one of two places where Jesus is called Savior in the New Testament, here in Luke chapter 2 and also in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, what happens? Jesus meets a woman at the well. The woman at the well goes and tells other people that she's met this Jesus. Some of the men go and see Jesus for themselves, and they come back and say to this woman, we now believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world because we have heard for ourselves, and we believe. Don't miss that. We believe because we have heard for ourselves. You want to increase your faith? It's based upon what you hear, not what you see. So often we live in a, a culture that's all about the visual, all about what I can see, what I can touch. Oh man, if I could just see Jesus, then my life would be changed. No, it wouldn't. Because faith comes from hearing, not seeing. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's not he who has eyes, let him see. Paul in Romans chapter 11 put it this way. He said, and now, he said, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard, not seen? A couple of verses later, he says, faith comes from hearing. It was back in 1990, I was about, 14, 15 years old, we were in our white Ford Aerostar. Oh, yeah, minivan. Family coming back from Southern California. We lived in uh, Sacramento. We were going through the, the grapevine, and we were having a, just a great time. I was in the back with one of my brothers, uh, older brother in the middle seat. They had to keep us separated as brothers, so we wouldn't, like, you know, get in fights in the minivan on the way home. And all of a sudden, we heard this noise in the back, uh, the back right tire. And I knew something wasn't right. It sounded like my dad was kind of going over into the wrong lane, you know, and going over one of the dividers. But it did that for a little while. All of a sudden, it popped. And we had uh, what we experienced, a blowout on the freeway. And it's as if time stood still. What happened is our minivan literally did a 360 on the freeway and somehow made it from the fast lane over to the right side of the road, missed getting hit by a semi, didn't get turned over, didn't roll, didn't flip, didn't slide on its side. And, and I know that's only possible because of God, but I remember my dad got out of the car and it was one of only two times I've seen him cry in his life. Cried when he saw his mom at her open casket and he, he was crying on the side of the road there because I believe he saw his life and the life of his entire family flash before his very eyes. I remember we got out of the car and we looked at the tire and it was shredded. There was nothing left of it. I mean, it was, it was literally in pieces. And to try to put that tire back together again, it would be foolish. 
Like there, there is nothing that any of us could do or any person could do to put that tire back together. So what did we do? We had the car towed. We went to a, a place that gave us what? A brand new tire. So your life and my life, what's it like? It's like that tire that's shredded on the side of the freeway. There's nothing that we can do to put our lives back together. There's nothing that we can do to make us right before a holy God. And so what does God do? God sends his son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world, not just to, to change us, but to give us a brand new life and transform us from the inside out. Why? Because a savior is our greatest need. And when that happens, here's what Jesus does. He transforms our minds. He begins to, to change the way that we think. See, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind means that you change the way you think in, ex, in order to experience everything God has provided for you. Like to change the way you think, that, that's ultimately repentance. Repentance isn't the change of a direction, it's, it's the change of mind. It's changing the way you, you see Jesus. It's changing the way you see your sin. It's changing the way you see yourself. It's changing the way that you see eternity. And that causes us to change our actions and the directions of our life. I love what it says in Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. As you think, so you are. Friends, you want to change your life? Change the way you think. In fact, for many of you, your biggest struggle today is your thinking. You've bought into this mindset that life will always be this way, that my situation's beyond God, that this is not fixable, that this is not repairable, that you can fill in the blank. And here's what separates people, people that have no hope and people that have hope. You can have people in the same situation, but those that have hope are confident that God still does the impossible. And those that don't have hope just think, oh man, this, this is just the way it is. What would it look like for you today to change the way you think, not just about Jesus being your savior, but about your marriage? What if instead of saying, you know what, it's always gonna be this way, this is beyond repairable, saying I believe that God still does the impossible and I'm gonna ask him to work. What if instead of giving up on your kids and saying just this is who they are and the way they are, what if you started praying and saying, God, the, the way that the prodigal son came back to the father, would you bring my kids back to you? Well, what if your financial situation just saying, you know what, I'll always be in financial rule. What if you say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you first and I'm gonna watch you do what only you can do. It's, it's changing our thinking because here's what happens. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, and I just went through puberty there for a second. That was kind of weird, wasn't it? It was when, wee! I just want to recognize that because I know some of you thought it. I just said it. Anyway, uh, when, we, uh, give our lives, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we realize that our greatest need is salvation, what happens? We're, we're thankful. We're thankful. Why? Because our greatest need is salvation. Jesus has met our greatest need and it changes us and we're thankful and we're constantly praising God and thanking God and the things of this earth don't matter near as much because this is in our home. And it's not so much about the house you have, the car you drive, the, the job you have, how much money you have. Stuff doesn't matter near as much because at the end of the day, this life is temporary. It's not our home. Our eternity is in heaven. It changes everything. Here's what else changes. Your relationships change because you know how messed up you've been. And you know that if God can forgive you, you can forgive anybody. 
If God can be gracious to you, you can be gracious to others. If God can give you a second chance, you can give a second chance to others. Why? Because Jesus came and he's so much more than a baby. He is the savior who meets our greatest needs and it transforms our minds. Second of all, let's go to point two, sorry about that. The Christ, Jesus is the Christ who provides our ultimate example. The Christ who provides our ultimate example. Uh, Jesus is referred to as the Christ over 500 times in the New Testament. Now I wanna explain who the Christ is and, and, and what Christ means before I talk about him being our greatest example. Some people think that Christ is just Jesus's last name. So much more than that, folks, all right? It's not just his last name, it's, it's, it's a title. It, it simply means that from the Greek word Christos, which is son of God, anointed king, it's the Messiah, it's somebody that's been set apart. In the Old Testament, we see this for a, a prophet, uh, we see somebody as a judge, we see somebody as a person. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus being set apart for the purpose of God, to do what? To be the savior of the world. And in order for that to happen, Jesus existed to the complete service of God, and he did everything God wanted him to do. That's the example he gives us. Because he's Christ, because he's anointed, because he's holy, he does everything the Father wants him to do. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to do everything the Father wants us to do. Jesus would say, not my, my will, but your will be done. When Jesus was getting ready to die, he said, if possible, remove this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. In other words, Father, even though it may cost me pain, even though it may cost me heartache, even though it's gonna involve sacrifice, it's not about me, it's about you. Your will be done. I think one of the greatest reasons why so many people don't wanna follow Christ is because what they see in Christians is no different from the world. Like we just blend in. And yet to be a Christ, he was set apart. To be holy, he was set apart. What would it look like for you and I in this season to be set apart for the purpose of God? And I was at the gym the other day sitting in the um, steam room. Before you judge me, I know the last time I said I was in the hot tub, this time I'm in the steam room. You're like, bro never lifts weights. All right, don't judge me. Um, but I was in the steam room and this, this shredded jack guy came in there. He's just huge. And we started talking, really cool dude. And a couple other guys came in and started talking to him. And they said, hey man, you married? He's like, no, I got a couple kids. And they're like, man, we bet you hanging out with tons of chicks right now. He's like, man, I don't do that. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I love that because he didn't just share what he did. He shared why. Stood out. And I love that because we need to be people in a world where we don't blend in, we stand out because to be holy is to be set apart. That was Jesus, that was Christ. He was the anointed, set apart for a purpose. And what happens is, is that when we see Jesus that way, what did Jesus say? He said, follow me. In other words, be like me. And here's what, what often we need to understand is that Jesus transforms not just our thinking, but our purpose. Your purpose changes. 
In other words, your, your life no longer is about just having fun and doing what everybody else is doing and living for yourself and making as much money as you possibly can and fill in the blank. No, your purpose has changed. And it's now to, to live a life that's focused on Jesus Christ. In fact, the purpose he gives us is in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. That is our purpose. As a church, we wanna make more and better disciples, period. Because we have this brand new purpose. But it, but it starts with a heart, the heart of Jesus. What was the heart of Jesus? Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two says, have this mind in, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, for some of us, the thing that's holding us back is a couple things. No, number one, it says that he emptied himself. This is Jesus. He had emptied himself of his wants, his desires, of everything. For some of you, your greatest problem today is you are way too full of yourself. It's about what you want. It's about what you think. It's about what you desire. It's about your preference. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, we empty ourselves of us. It changes to, God, what do you want? What's your purpose? What's your desire? Because it's no longer about me. It says that he emptied himself, but not only that, it says that he humbled himself. To humble yourself means that your life is no longer about yourself. It's all about God and it's all about others. Man, there's something really powerful about humbling ourselves because what's the opposite of humility? It's pride. If you've got pride in your life, you will struggle with Jesus being your savior and you will struggle with him as the Christ because it will always be about what you want inside. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, things change. It's kind of like marriage. Like when you get married, things change. At least they better change. You're a single dude and you get married and you think you can keep hanging out with the guys each night. Ain't gonna work, don't get married. Like if you think you can just keep playing your video games all the time, whenever you want and you get married, no, things gotta change. Why? Because God's first and your wife's second. Some of you wives are like, preach it brother right now, you know? Jesus is so much more than a baby. He's the savior who meets our greatest need. He's the Christ who gives us our ultimate example. And then thirdly, he's the Lord who demands our total obedience. Our total obedience. When I was uh, younger, me and my brother, my younger brother Josh, we played Monopoly all the time and I hated it because he would kill me every single time. He'd get like all the houses and then when he couldn't get more houses, he'd get hotels. And then when he'd get, get more hotels, he would take like all of my money and it was just horrific. And every time he would land on the um, go to jail, he'd pull out the get out of jail free card. Do you remember that one? It was horrific. It's horrible. 
Here's the concern, here's the fear, is that there's so many people that, that know Jesus is the Savior, but he's not necessarily their Savior. And they think that as long as I've got this get out of hell free card in my pocket, I can live however I want. Friends, that's not the way of the Christian life. Jesus is not just Savior, not just the Christ, but he is the Lord. What does that mean? That means that he is your master. He is the one that has all of the authority of your life. That means the person who makes the decisions is not you. The person who calls the shots is not you. Why? Because you have given your life to Jesus Christ. Here's my concern is that there's so many people that, that, that want to think and have this feeling that they've got a relationship with God that, when really they don't. Because he's not just Savior, he's Savior and Lord. And he's either Lord over all or he's not Lord at all. So here, here's what happens when, when we recognize Jesus as Savior, we get all of him. But when we recognize him as Lord, he gets all of us. For, for some of you, the greatest need today is to recognize Jesus Christ truly as Lord of your life. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter six, verse 46. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? In other words, why are you just giving me lip service? He says, he says this, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Maybe the issue is not just simply obedience. Maybe the issue is that we just don't really love God as much as we think we do. Because if we love him, we'll obey him. Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You wanna bless life, obey not only will you be blessed, those around you will be blessed. Moms and dads, when your kids obey Christ, what happens? You're blessed. Grandparents, when your grandkids obey Christ, what happens? You're blessed. There is a ripple effect in our relationships when we practice obedience. See, here's what happens. Jesus transforms our desires. Not only does our thinking change, not only does our purpose change, our desires change. And so we, we go to a life where it's not like, hey, I've got to obey because he died for my sin. Like, how lame is that? Man, I get to obey. Here's the, here's the one who gave up his life for me. I'm going to give up my life for him. And I love what Psalm, the psalmist says in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your desires begin to change. He gives you his desires so that you're, you're not wanting the desires of the flesh. You're wanting the desires of the spirit. You want to honor God. You want to please God. It's like those kids that you have. And they just want to honor you as a mom. Just want to honor you as a dad. I'm not really sure what that's like because I've never experienced it before. But uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But there's something so powerful about that where their desires are just like, man, I just, I just want to honor you. I just want to obey you. Galatians 5, 24 puts it this way. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, I think there's probably 
many of us here today that are like, man, I'm just not living with, with Jesus as the Lord of my life. He's not the authority. He's not the one where I say, God, how, how do I honor you in this area? God, God, show me in your word what you want me to do. God, whatever the cost, I'm gonna do it. Here's the good news. Is that by God's grace, today you can start doing that. Today you can say, God, I haven't always lived with you as Lord of my life, but today I want that to change. Despite the cost, despite the lack of comfort I'm gonna have in my life, I wanna put you first. I wanna walk in obedience because you're not just saved, you're not just the Christ, but you are Lord of my life. There's a couple questions to ask before we go to the practical application. It's what do you need to stop and what do you need to start? When it, when it comes to your relationship with God, what, what do you need to stop and what do you need to start? Maybe you just pick one of each. Do you, do you need to stop gossiping? Stop cheating? Stop lying? Stop using foul language? Stop the gossip, the bitterness, which are all a reflection ultimately of our hearts, that our hearts need to change. But some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything bad. And I would say, but maybe you're not doing anything that God wants you to do. Maybe you're not serving, and God's given you a gift. Maybe you're not giving, and God's blessed you financially. Maybe you're not using your time in a way that ultimately honors God because he is Savior, Christ, and Lord. Let's make it personal and practical just for a moment. Two questions. Where does Jesus need to be Lord of your life? Is it in your money? When's the last time you've said, God, what do you want me to do what ultimately belongs to you? Is it in your relationships? Where you're treating people based upon how you feel instead of what the Lord ultimately wants. Identify that area, and then we gotta ask this next question. How is this gonna happen? Well, it recognize, we have to recognize that we can't do it. It's only with the help of the Spirit. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus put it very clearly this way in Matthew chapter 6, 24 and 25. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. For this to happen, you and I, we have to deny ourselves. We have to get to a point in our lives where we say, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about what I want. It's no longer about my passions, my desires, because everything's changed. Must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the upside down thinking of Christianity. You want to save your life? Lose it. Deny yourself. And watch what God does. Because who is Jesus? He's so much more than a baby. He is our Savior who meets our greatest need. He is our Christ who sets our greatest example. And he is the Lord who demands total obedience. Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, so much more than a baby. Heavenly Father, God, right now, we just wanna say thank you. 
Thank you for coming to save us. God, we, we recognize the day that we're incapable of going to you, so you came to us. We're incapable of saving ourselves, so you came to save us. God, for, forgive us for the times where we minimize our sin. We ignore our sin. We think that we can solve our sin issue on our own. Thank you for being the perfect savior, God, who would go to the cross in our place for our sins and rise three days later, proving victory over sin and death. God, for some of us today, we need to just accept you as savior and it's a free gift where we repent of our sins and we surrender our life to you and we give you total control of our life. For others of us, God, you need to be Lord. God, where we've been living life based upon what we want and what we think and what we believe and what we desire. And God, for some of us, it's asking you to go back on the throne today where you call the shots because you've got the authority. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're our master. So God, whatever it is, God, we pray that you would work in our hearts. God, for those of us that, that need to change our thinking, would you renew our minds to the word of God where we focus on truth and not how we feel? God, we love you and we worship you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.